Thanks for joining us. Riley Jensen coming up next. A couple things i got to tell you about. Cafe Rio. Who doesn't like Cafe Rio? Come join Unrivaled at the new Cafe Rio City Creek location. That is on November 30th, and it's from 3 to 6 p.m. You can get your Cafe Rio favorites now at the City Creek Center for sure. And then also, Riley Jensen, I need to tell you that Riley Jensen is going to be on our Smart Rain guest hotline. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. 877-346-3333. Talking about turkeys of the year, and certainly Riley Jensen is not a turkey of the year, although I am positive he is going to be eating turkey. Is that not true, Riley Jensen? Uh, most likely. Most likely. I'm going to go join my brother Casey. My brother Crosby will be up in Layton. Probably a little bit of Turkey Bowl. We all have sons that are finally getting the age where we can do that. And the Turkey Bowl is big in the Jensen family. I mean, it's huge. <laughs> so are you going to bring home the uh, hardware Turkey Bowl MVP? No, no. Like, I'm going to be all-time <laughs> center. That's what, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> the, turkey bowl, the Turkey Bowl for the Jensens, though, is not the competitive – like crazy game that like some guys going to do. It's all about the kids. It's all about everybody gets touches. Everybody gets a touchdown. Everybody gets to feel like they're part of, you know, of winning. So ah. it's fun. Yeah. everybody feels like they're part of winning. That's an interesting concept there because uh, we see this Utah kid, this Peter Costelli comes in and he's a, what, a four-star ranking in California, and it's the Tuttle situation all over again. Before the season's over, he doesn't play, and he's out the door. Uh, You can speak to this quarterback transfer situation because you've done it. You've spoken about some things that maybe you would have done differently, maybe whatever, whatever it might be. Uh, So... How do you feel, if you're from a coaching standpoint, how do you get kids to feel a part of the program, especially a quarterback where only one dude plays, and the younger guy, it's not his time yet? Or is there anything that can be done to it to keep him engaged? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really hard, right? I mean, the, the only thing – I mean, so this this one's a hard one for me because I'm not – I'm not always sure that I made the right decision, and that's not a that's not a cut to Utah State, right? Well, like I loved my time at Utah State, but when you're when you're talking about individuals that like transfer schools, it's 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 really hard for me now, especially coming from my my career that I do now. Like, what what are we teaching someone if if you if you take your ball and you go home every time something doesn't go your way, right? And 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 what are you how, what what is the long term thought process to like what you're trying to do if um, if every time you face adversity like you you decide that you're going to leave now look I wasn't 
I wasn't a Costelli kid. I'm not. I'm not a Jackson Dart kid. I'm not a. I'm not a person. You know that that maybe everything that I did, like I, I feel like I overachieved. So, but these guys, these guys are told from a very young age, and this is where I get a little bit frustrated with the quarterback position, is I feel like it's it's turning into an AAU version of football where they're told from a young age that they're going to the NFL. They're told from a young age that they can that they can play in the NFL if they're in the right spot and if they start in the right place. And now when they get to the University of Utah and they don't start as a freshman and they see that there's a sophomore that's ahead of them, now they're going, oh, my gosh, that, that could be frustrated, right? Like, like, that could be over if I don't go and play somewhere. And so – you know, and I, I didn't mean to throw Jackson Dart into the category of like he's wanting to transfer. What I'm saying is, is, is he's the type of person that has a chance to play professional football. And so, to me, it's a little bit confusing on what to tell these guys because <clears throat> they do have the talent, they do have the ability to play in the NFL. But what's better for you, resilience-wise, adversity-wise, to be able to get there? Because it means millions of dollars to these kids if they get in the right track and they get on the right place and they're going to play in the NFL. But, you know, Costelli's the kid that got offered in front of Jackson Dart. And I'm not saying Jackson Dart would have gone to the University of Utah. I have no idea for sure. But but that was the guy that the University of Utah, they, they put their eggs in that basket, you know, saying, like, this is the guy we want, and now he's gone. And this has happened more than once, and it's just a tough deal. I don't know what you can say to an 18-year-old kid who thinks he should be playing. I mean, I don't know. Other than, you know, guys like Coach Witt and and, and some of these different coaches are going to continue to be old school and just say, hey, look, if you don't like it, <clears throat> hit the transfer portal. <laughs> and they do. Quarterbacks seem to hit the transfer portal when people say that to them. How much, too, is it other people, i.e. fathers? <laughs> oh, man. I'm, 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 I have a pretty good career based on fathers right now. So um, <laughs> there, there's, there's a lot of well-meaning people out there that are not doing it right for their kids. And, I mean, look, even with um, Tuttle, right, like, I don't know. I don't know if it was you. I don't know if it was somebody else who told me like, "Oh, we saw Tuttle's dad on the phone after this last game. He's not happy. I guarantee he's going to transfer." And it was within a week that they had transferred. Yeah. And and so it's it's interesting, man. I mean, like I said, this this AAU mentality for quarterbacks where guys are told that they're going to the pros and they're getting screwed if they're not playing as freshmen and they're not. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard for me to watch because they go around, they play in all these seven on seven tournaments. They play with the best of the best, you know, and if they're not playing right now, you know, it's like the world is falling. And I'm like, man, you know, it's almost like I need to start telling people, you know, on the college level, the same thing that I tell high school people, like, What's wrong with your kid being a really, really good high school player and really enjoying that experience? Why do you want to transfer him everywhere? Why do you want to do all this kind of stuff? And, and a lot of times I'll turn to the parents and I'll say, so did you win a state championship? And they're like, no. And I'm like, what was your record your senior year as a football player? Oh, we were like five and five. And I'm like, do you love football? 
And they're like, oh, man, I love football more than anything. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with your kid playing on a 7-4 and team and being the captain and building all these relationships and being the best player on that team and maybe not winning a state championship? Well, I just want him to have every opportunity. And they have all these excuses, right? But what's wrong with being a really, really good college football player? What's wrong with that? And then seeing where what happens after that. I mean, there's there's people that make really, really good livings and have really good lives who are really good college football players and never sniff the NFL. Yeah. Riley Jensen joining us. Yeah, you talk about uh, I, th- I had heard uh, the father's I had heard before Tuttle got there that uh, that's one case, you know, with the involvement. And sure enough, uh, two months into the season, he's gone. Now, I also heard that uh, on the other side of uh, doing it, maybe I, I hate to hesitate the correct way because that implies the other way was the wrong way. And you, your phrase of well-meaning parent uh, hits home. You know, we think we're doing the right thing and maybe we're not but we don't know, and the love is so strong for the kid that we do things that, that aren't right, even though we're well-meaning. But the other side, right. I heard Mike Wilson, Zach Wilson's dad, I've heard through multiple sources that this guy has been the ideal dad as far as he's going to your school, here he is. Go, And yep. there's been no communication between coaches and, and player or uh, dad. It's like, He's over there now. You do what you do. And so that's two examples of one you know, got involved and the other, from what I understand, is Mike Wilson has been totally hands-off and doesn't say a thing to anybody. Well, and I, I, I mean, I know Mike really well. I, he, he loves his kids as much as any dad could love their kids. Um, and, and he's very, very involved in their lives. He's not involved, it doesn't seem like to me, in conversations of transfer. I mean, it, it, it's like, hey, we're going to go here, and, you're, and, and we're going to make this decision, we're going to go for it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I, think, I think that's a compliment to him. I don't, know, I don't know what the right decision is in every situation. I'm not, I'm not professing, right. like you said, to say that everything is like a clear-cut decision. I mean, look, you, you can look from the outside and say, well, Riley transferred and he got a chance to play at Utah State and start some games up there and have a really good time. And, and yeah, it looks great. But that year also, um, Kevin Federer gets hurt. You know, Paul Schumacher doesn't play as well. And Drew Miller was starting. I mean, I, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? I don't know. I don't know that that would have been better for me. I really enjoyed my experience at Utah State, right? I don't know. I don't know what the right decision was, and so um, the the best way to do it, I think, is to kind of make a decision before you get somewhere. And the thing that I tell recruits right now is, hey, make sure that the school that you're going to, if everything went wrong. If everything went wrong with that decision, would you still enjoy being a student at that at that university? Would you still enjoy being, you know, studying what you're studying and being at that school and being around that support system? If the coach left, if you were hurt, if somebody came in and beat you out, you know, would you still enjoy that place so that so you can take the pressure off of of, of trying to look every year? But look, with NIL. 
with a free transfer rule now, I mean, we're just going to see more and more of this. It's, it's just going to be really, really hard to avoid it. And, you know, I've talked to quite a few head coaches in, you know, the FBS level that have said that the transfer, transfer portal has changed everything. And they look at the portal first before they look at anything. And it's not necessarily because they want to, but it's just the way the game's played now. It's free agency for college football. So do you think that, and Riley Jensen joining us, that in recruiting now, uh, it's basically, okay, kids will commit, but that's all it really is. It's Even though you sign it, it, it's not a long-term commitment, so to speak. It's just in the short term. Is is that the way recruiting is going? Well, yeah, well, I'll come there, or yeah, we'll take you here now, but we know you could be gone in a year. Yeah, I mean – I think it was kind of that way before because, I mean, I, I've told the story about Matt Wells talking to a USC kid that was local, you know, and, and I've, I've said it on, on the air with you guys before. And then he just turned to me and I was like, man, that kid really likes you. And he goes, yeah, you never know. Right. You never know. And he wasn't being inappropriate in the way that he was talking to the kid. He wasn't, you know, um, but he understood that, like, in this day and age, like, kids transfer, and that was a kid that he would love to have at his program at the time. It was at Utah State, right? And coaches are either going to have to recruit their kids every single year or they're just going to have to get used to the fact that it's a short-term commitment. If he ends up being um, a first or a second string for, stringer for you, then, then you really want him in the program. But – if he's not going to be a first or second stringer, I think some coaches are glad the kids are transferring. I think some kids, I think some coaches are going to be glad that there's a kid that they recruited really, really hard who's not very good, who doesn't have great work ethic and is kind of a cancer to the team. If he joins the transfer portal, hey, man, what could I do to support you? <laughs> you know, like, how, how can I get you? Let, tell me what I need to do. Do you need me to make some phone calls? What do you want me to do? I'm, I'm happy to help. You know, and so Help it pack. works both ways. <laughs> you know, it works both ways. Yeah. I mean, even, high school, even high school coaches talk that way right now. Like, look, hey, if you don't want to be here, come and talk to me, and we'll help you find a school that is going to be good for you. And when you kind of set that precedent, it, it almost is like reverse psychology, right? Like everybody wants to be there. I remember, I mean, there was, there was a couple kids when I was coaching at Alta, that, that were like quarterbacks that wanted to come in and I did everything but tell them that there's no way they'll play and then we'd show up for like fall camp and they're like oh so and so's here and I'm like what I thought really <laughs> you know what I mean and it's just one of those things where uh, people are going to do what they want to do and so you can't you can't like beat yourself up like over oh, we lost this guy or we didn't like they're, they're, they're kind of going to do what they want to do and so the portal opens up a lot of possibilities to coaches but then you got a kid like cam rising who did he left after a year and now it looks like he's on top of the world it, i know i dude you, i mean I, it's like i started out the conversation i don't know that the right decision is not to transfer all the time. I don't, I don't know that that's the deal. Now, when you're at, you know, three schools in five years, like that, that might be a little bit disconcerting. And I, I did a little bit of a study on like elite 11, which is kind of like, you know, you know, every year they pick out the 11 best 
And I looked at it, and, and something like, if I remember correctly my numbers, I'd have to go look at them, but it was something like 47% of the time elite 11 quarterbacks transfer. Right. 47% of the time. That means one out of every two elite 11 quarterbacks, it doesn't work out. And they're supposedly the best, you know, 11 quarterbacks in, in the whole United States that year, right? And 47% of them are going to transfer. And it was something like another, like 75% of those quarterbacks you'll never hear of on the next level. You only hear about like 25% of the elite 11 quarterbacks that go on to the next level because they transfer or it doesn't work out or he's just not as good as they, as he'd been rated. Right. So you're talking about four quarterbacks out of 11 or three and a half quarterbacks out of 11 that you ever even hear of again after their high school senior season. So it's interesting. It's this whole quarterback thing is really interesting to me. Uh, before we let you go, Riley Jensen joining us. Give us a breakdown. Uh, who's winning Utah State, uh, Utah, BYU this weekend? Big games for all three schools. I actually think all three of them win. Um, I think BYU's just got to be aware of like letting USC get started or letting them get some confidence against them because they're super athletic and super talented. I think Utah State is going to win against a, a New Mexico team, especially after the way they got beat last week. They're going to feel and, – and really, you know, I was like, oh, great. They're not going to be able to win the Mountain West Conference. But, I mean, you've got Boise State matched up against um, – San Diego State. Against San Diego State, and that, that's an interesting scenario. And I think uh, it's really going to be Air Force or Utah State that are they're going to be representing, you know, their half of the conference in the conference championship game. And then, obviously, the University of Utah, I think they're just rolling right now. I think, I think they're as good and they can compete with anybody in the country right now, the way they're playing. And I think things look really good for the University of Utah with Cam Rising. I don't care who they have to fill in for or who, what kind of spots they have to fill in in the next couple of years of Cam Rising's around, that's a really good quarterback. And he's, he's got some it factor to him that we haven't seen there in a long time. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. All right, thanks for coming on. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next week. Can't wait. We'll talk to you soon. All right, that's Riley Jensen. He is college football insider, mental health performance coach. He knows his stuff, been around our community for a long, long time. Grateful for him coming on each week. We appreciate it. Turkeys of the year, man. Tomorrow's the big day. Who do you got? Stay with us. 97.5, 1280, The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. James Empey, BYU Center. Tell me a little bit more about Tyler Algier. It's still bizarre to me that this guy was a linebacker a couple years ago. I remember his first year came in, he was playing running back, and they wanted to try him out on uh, defense a little bit, and he was making plays and, and running around the field, and I think he sees the game really well, and he has a good feel for what's going on, a lot of intuition there. And then towards the end of that year, they're like, well, we're thin at running back again. Hey, do you want to come back? And he comes back, and he's running people over. He's running out of his shoes. He's making moves. He's, he's doing a lot. So ever since day one, he's just progressed and gotten better and has earned everything he's been given and, and has shown why you know he deserves to be on the field and why he deserves the carries that he's getting. And he makes the O-line look really good. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com.
Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at the next Utah Jazz game where there are free pop-a-shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving, friends. What are you going to do? Turkey? Football? Depending on where you are? Northern Utah? It's probably it. What's the weather going to be like? Is it golf? Anybody can get out and golf tomorrow? Oh, I know they've been golfing the last couple of days. Let's take a look. It's supposed to be chilly? I'm not sure. It's supposed to be chilly today. I'm currently waiting on weather.com. Uh, some t- folks will get golf. Thursday, a high of 46. It would be a chilly day, but it's supposed to be clear. Uh, yeah, that's probably a little too chilly for me. Yeah, I'm sub 50. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go in, yeah, 50s, uh, 50s, no wind, I can handle it. Oh, yeah, I mean, 75 in wind, I don't like I was going to say, PK, wind, period, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, any form of wind, that uh, that's not fun to play. I like it to be calm and sunny. That's one of the reasons. That, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with baseball as a kid, you know, being back in Jersey in the winter seemed to last forever. Everything lasts forever when you're a kid. And uh, we finally got good weather, man. I couldn't wait to get outside and just be outside. Loved being outside, playing ball. And uh, that's why I romanticized the spring with baseball because I lived it. If you've lived, uh, depending on where you live, like DJ doesn't have that much. Well, he grew up in San Diego. There probably wasn't a whole lot of difference between uh, March and February and April's weather. It was good all year round, basically. Not where I was from. That wasn't the case. And so the idea of being outside was just where it was at for me. So tomorrow's Thanksgiving. What are you going to do? Who's your turkey of the year? Turkeys of the year. You got any nominations? Let us know. We've got Yach putting Freddie Juarez leaving RSL, going to Seattle. And then (laughs) is this good or bad for soccer? You know, I take soccer for what it's worth. It's not my favorite. Uh, I don't hate it. I don't obsess about it. I don't make money off of it. I pay attention to RSL. Don't pay attention that much to the league. Don't pay attention to European soccer. But I feel like I got a decent handle on the local team. Did, uh, as the uh, Gonzaga game got out of hand last night, I did flick over more. And you can just, watching the game, you can just see it. I'm not a soccer expert, although I've spoken about this. Best man at my wedding, my mentor in life, he's deceased now, was a high school soccer coach in Arizona, considered one of the godfathers of high school soccer, helped get it instituted as a sanctioned high school sport. Pablo Mastrioni played at a school not too far from him over on the west side of Phoenix. He knows of the coach that I speak of. So, you know, I have a, a, a decent interest. I'm not a fanatic at all, not even close. And I'm watching this game. It didn't take an expert to think, man, this team's dominating. But I'm wondering, does it do soccer harm to have a team who literally had no shots on goal win the game in the penalty kick situation? Does that turn people off? For me, I got a kick out of it. 
It set a record for futility. We all know that. I know, but then they win. Yeah, they win. Is that if you're trying to sell your sport? Is that good or bad? I think it goes both ways. So, uh, PK, the closest analogy I could pull for those who may not be soccer fans, by and large, is the college football world. We hear a lot about Ben don't break on defense. Right. Well, last night was quite possibly the ultimate display of Ben don't break. You just defend with your life on the line, and you come through in sudden death on penalty kicks and win it. Okay, but my argument against that is that Ben don't break. I get that defensively, but when you have the ball, I know, you're gotta, trying to score. Yeah, exactly. You've got you've to try and do something. And yeah, the futility of zero shots, literally zero shots yeah. is... Yeah. So I See, I don't think that that does well, bodes well for soccer to draw new fans, but I don't think you're going to draw new fans anyway. I think those who are into it are into it, and those who aren't, aren't. So there's no point in trying to publicize it and thinking, oh, this is great. Did you see this? Because those who are interested are going to be interested. And those who are, it's like all this political stuff. We can write all these columns and and speak all these words and preach all we want. And the media has turned into a bunch of preachers now, depending on which side of the aisle you're on. And what's the point? You're not converting anybody. No one's thinking, oh, yeah, I listen to Tucker Carlson or whoever. I'm just going to Control my line of thinking and change it now and i was left but now i'm right or vice versa whomever whatever pick whoever is on your left side and they get on there and it's all a bunch of crap because all they do they're trying to make money so they're pre- everybody's preaching to the choir so no one's going to be converted so that's what what's the point of preaching anything anything political stop it because everyone's mind is already made up already. It's the same thing here. If you didn't like soccer before, you probably don't like it now. And if you did, you thought, oh, man, that was great strategy by Pablo. And they got out of there with the win, and that's all that matters. And they were celebrating in the locker room, and that's where it's at. And other people are thinking, PK, shut the crap up about soccer. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but it is fresh in the news. Turkeys of the year. Put it up on Facebook. You got any suggestions? I've Who been, are your turkeys of the year? I got we got for you. Go ahead. How about Terrence Mann from the Los Angeles Clippers? Terrence, he's a turkey? How about the Jazz for standing around and watching there's, this dude? There's an argument to both sides, yes. Make he has all a, these three-point shots. As a career and, night and knocks the Jazz out. Yeah. And then it's nobody's fault? Oh, I disagree completely. It's everybody's fault. I never single out anybody individually, but I believe it's everybody's fault, and it's everybody's to celebrate and get credit when you win from the greatest player right down to the bench guys. It doesn't matter. I mean, they get different levels of credit and different levels of blame, but I put everybody in the same pot. I'm a firm believer of win as a team, lose as a team. Don't necessarily care what the sport is unless it's tennis or wrestling or something like golf or what like that, and it's not a Ryder Cup competition. Uh, once you get into the team aspect, everybody contributes one way or the other to one degree or another. So uh, I think the Jazz were turkeys blowing that lead there in that second round, and it stung. It's stung, and the only way they're going to erase that is get to the postseason. What's interesting about that is now you got a little bit of a rep of a pretty good regular season team, but what do you do in the postseason? And if you go out in the first or second round again this spring and summer, it's going to resurface again, and that's going to be their, their tag 
Uh, and hopefully not. You know, I want him to win. I'm not a hardcore fan, but I want him to win for work purposes. And I'd love to see Joe get an NBA uh, title to go along with. Uh, he got the gold medal last summer. No doubt. I think it would be great for the community, all you passionate jazz fans, all my neighbors and friends that I've accumulated over the years. I get it. You're way into your team, and I would love to see you win, just like I would love to see Utah fans experience the Rose Bowl uh, like I did. I was there in 1987 as a youngster, and watching the Sun Devils run out on the field was awesome. They've only been there twice and don't look like they're going to be there anytime soon. How about Turkey of the Year? How about ASU and their coaching staff? I got to put them on that list, don't I? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Recruiting I mean, violations that we haven't seen in quite some right, time. Right. Well, there was no pandemic, so they couldn't uh, recruit then, but they did, uh, apparently. I'm not so hung up on that because I think that when once you go down that road, that's like uh, standing on the side of a freeway and everybody's speeding and you isolate one kit, one guy. I guess if he's going 120 and the others are going 85 and it's 70, uh, you know, there's variances of breaking the law, I guess. So the 120 is worse. But recruiting in the pandemic, uh, I know it's against the rules. That's just me. I'm not a big rule guy on that because I've been exposed to so much cheating. Coaches have told me so much over the years. I'm a cynical guy to begin with. Well, I heighten the level of cynicism when it comes to that stuff because all the stuff that I've heard, guys that are still coaching today that are recognized as honorable uh, with high integrity and coaches tell me about those guys and what they're doing. And I've been privy to so much information that – Nothing really amazes me or makes me even roll my eyes now, to tell you the truth. It's a dirty, dirty biz all the way through. But the Devils are going to get punished. Obviously, they're going to get punished. They wouldn't have suspended three assistant coaches. But Ray Anderson, the athletic director, firing Todd Graham, paying him like $12 million to go away, and Herm Edwards is 16-14 and 14 in conference play. Come on. And, and your seven off-false start penalties – the other night, here we are in November, and you still can't stay on side. Just watch the friggin' ball. Don't move. I think he's got to go. I think they got to make a change there. So I put him the turkey of the year. And all these athletic directors I put in there, firing these guys, waiting, giving them extensions. Dan Mullen, didn't he just get an extension six months ago? He did. Yep. What, what the heck? And now you're going to pay him to go away. Yeah. All these coaches that are getting all this money to go away. Colorado paid McIntyre a few years back, like $10 million. How about Michigan State giving Mel Tucker all that money, and they're down 49 to nothing (laughs) at halftime against Ohio State. (laughs) Oh, my goodness Congrats, guys. (laughs) They throw around such an inordinate amount of money. It's funny because BYU's not going to do that. BYU has it right, but yet their fan base is furious that BYU has it right. Because I can tell you right now, I am nervous that Kalani Sataki and some of his guys are going to leave. I'm nervous. I don't know that it's going to happen. I don't know that he's got an offer. But I can tell you right now, I am nervous. The stuff that I'm hearing makes me nervous. 
even though BYU may be doing it the right way, but it ended up being the wrong way. Everyone's fan base, it's not their money. Go ahead and pay it because they want to win. They desperately want to win. Everybody wants to win at such a high level. So if he does leave, do we make BYU administration turkey of the year? I'm not sure because I don't know how high it goes up. Okay. You know, what? what's the definition of BYU administration? Uh, you know, to what? The board of trustees, how many folks beyond the people who go to work on the campus every day are involved? That's the problem there is you have so many people. And when you get people involved that they were given responsibility, but they really don't have any expertise in the area of the responsibility that they have. And we've seen that. We've seen that in, in work lives of people who just, they don't know what they're talking about, but yet someone anointed them to have responsibility over something and away you go. Uh, and I'm sure we've all felt that in whatever jobs we've had. I'm not singling out anybody. I'm speaking generally, but that's a concern there. So, and I've, I'm hearing some commit uh, kids are committing, but they're committing to the coaches. Meaning, yeah, if you're there, I'm coming there. If you're not there, I'm not going there. That's going on as we speak. Uh, they got to get this cleared up, and I have confidence that they will get it cleared up, and I have confidence that they will stay the staff and largely intact. You're never going to necessarily have everybody all the time because assistant coaches move left and right constantly. It's just the nature of the business. So turkey of the years, who's you got on this day before Thanksgiving? Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After dominating Oregon and winning another South Division title, the Utes will wrap up the regular season with a showdown at Rice-Eccles Stadium against Colorado. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Friday at 1 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's Wednesday, and what does that mean? Win tickets Wednesday. Right now we've got one Friday. You win tickets, you'll see Black Label Society. It is Friday. That's on the 26th at the Complex, which is 536 West 100 South right there in Salt Lake. For all ages, Black Label Society is bringing their Doom Trooping Over North America tour to the Complex on Friday, November 26th with special guests, Obituary and Prong. Come see ex-Ozzy Osbourne guitarist Zach Wilde bring his unique brand of rock to Salt Lake City. Tickets available at Axis A. AXS.com, AXS.com, and thecomplex.com, sponsored by Live Nation. So call now. You've got an opportunity to win. Is that true, Yock? Yep, we got a pair of tickets to that show for you. Caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-9663. There you go. Get an opportunity to win. If that's your kind of music, you'll have a good time. I've seen shows over there. It's a great venue, uh, an opportunity to see that. All right, we've been talking about, with Thanksgiving being tomorrow, uh, turkeys of the year for sure, who should be nominated. Now, I understand that uh, 
Samson Nakua came on on Monday, and he was talking about BYU and some, uh, you know, he likes it there. He felt like it's the best place for him. All right, he spent four years at Utah, right, because I think he redshirted a year. And then he goes down to Provo. And he came on our show, and he said that uh, something along the lines of he enjoyed Utah, but he feels BYU's a better spot. I'm paraphrasing very loosely. And then some Ute fans go after him on Twitter. Shut up. Just shut up. And I guess he felt like he needed to clarify. Well, no, Samson, you didn't need to clarify because you did nothing wrong. You said nothing wrong. People, really, come on. Whoever went after him at Twitter, and I know some of you went after me. I get it. And I baited him. I don't even remember saying anything or who asked any questions along those lines. That's not what it's about. Oh, my gosh. So if you do anything at any player on Twitter and voice your stupid you-know-what opinion, you are a turkey. Stop. Stop. These kids are... That's just what they are. They're kids. Get off it. Knock it off. Don't do it anymore. So I nominate you if you went at him. You can come after me all you want because, uh, great, that's what I'm here for, man. And what the hell? You ain't going to do anything to me either. I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm locked up. (laughs) I'm going nowhere. (laughs) I'm going to be here Friday. I'm going to be here Monday. Uh, so that that ship has long since sailed, man. Obviously, we've gone through tons of changes, and I'm still here. I'm the cockroach that you can't kill. DJ and I, you can't get rid of us. <laughs> so please stop. Just don't go after college players. And he's speaking, and he's he loves your team, and he loved his time there, but he wanted to be with his brother down in Provo. Let it be. Come on. How about this? Danny Cannell putting out Notre Dame should call up BYU and play on conference uh, uh, conference championship weekend. Uh, they'll have tough matches. Now, that's going to work against Notre Dame and trying them to get in. Now, that won't happen. It'd be cool if they did have an independent uh, game. Yeah, I don't know why BYU and Notre Dame didn't think of that during all this time. Why they didn't think about playing on that Saturday, or Friday in this case, Pac-12 obviously goes Friday, but they would go Saturday. Eh, It's too late now. They're playing next year in October in Vegas, and then the following year the Cougars will go into the conference. But I wonder if they could have thought about that, if they could have pulled that off, doing that for the last several years, having that 13th game. Obviously BYU would have been up for it, uh, Notre Dame, and I don't know if they would want to come to Provo or what, or if they could have had it at a neutral site like they do now in the conference title games. That would have been way cool. Uh, and actually could help both of them. Could help uh, this year, especially with BYU doing as well as they have and being nationally ranked. That would be uh, a little bit of a power boost for whoever wins that game. BYU trying to move up a little bit more to see if they can get into New Year's Day 6. Notre Dame trying to move up overcome that loss at home to Cincinnati to see if they could be one of the four teams in the playoff. Yeah. It's too bad that couldn't have happened. That because that would that would take get some get some attention. Cougars would have to be good obviously, but that would definitely get some attention. But 
it's not going to happen. It's too bad next week that those teams won't be playing because there's a heightened focus on college football next week. I mean, there is every week, but next week especially. That's what's been a benefit. And the Cougars are going to have to wait it out another year, and then they get the opportunity to uh, maybe play in a game like that. That would be cool, too, if they can do that. Uh, for those who get the opportunity to participate in it, I think it's uh, something that you know we all look forward to. We're certainly going to be all eyes, at least I think, in our community next Wednesday when the or next Wednesday we're going to come up with Wednesday next week. I meant next Friday in Las Vegas when the University of Utah is going to be playing. Not sure who they're going to be playing. I hope they're going to be playing the Oregon Ducks to get the Pac-12, get its uh, best bang for the buck that it can be, and it would be cool. How about Oregon? How about does Oregon? Oregon sucks at sports now. How cool is that? They get worked in football. Last week they got worked in basketball, and then they lose to the West Coast Conference last night. St. Mary's beats them. The West Coast Conference, it's a power now. It's a power just when BYU's leaving. How about that? All right, Utah football coming up next. We're going to talk to the Boulder Daily Camera beat writer for the Colorado Buffaloes. Stay with us right around the corner next on 97.5, 1280 The Zone.